0: Welcome to the Shell Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. All right, there's some adults out here. Look, what are some of our pet hates that we hate waiting for? What about red lights to change? What about the kettle to boil? Does anyone ever stand in front of the microwave and watch the food go around because you just want it to be ready? I love that in the castle. I'm looking at the. Oh, gosh, I do that. It would only be an Australian movie to show that on TV. Waiting for your car in a service station if there's lines packed up everywhere you're in a hurry to go and um, there's so many things what about hot water in the shower who hates waiting uh, winter waiting for the water to turn hot depends on how far away your hot water system is doesn't it so there's all sorts of things that we hate waiting for generally as human beings we do not like waiting in fact if I asked you to put up your hand if you like waiting there might be someone like my son who puts his hand up here but most of us would say that we find waiting hard that waiting is difficult And so I'm really thrilled to be sharing from the series that Pastor Shane launched last week on when God doesn't make sense. And last week we learned, as Pastor Shane shared, we learned that just because God is silent doesn't mean that God is absent. And we also learned that you don't have to understand the plan to trust God's purpose. So today what we're going to be looking at is walking through those times in our life where we're left hanging when we're left waiting for God, when we're left waiting for God to move. So the challenge for us to ask ourselves this morning is, what do I do when God seems late? Isn't it interesting listening to our children You know the number one answer is I hate waiting for my mum and dad. Well, we we can hate waiting for God, can't we? We can really find that really challenging, really, really, really challenging. We're gonna be unpacking that this morning. Have you ever had to wait for God to answer your prayer? Yeah, yeah. It's not easy, is it? We're crying out to God. We're trusting in Him. You know, we might be waiting for Him to do something in our relationship. There's people right here this morning, you're waiting for God to answer your prayer. It could be in your finances. It could be you might be really waiting on God for a breakthrough with something in your work. There are all sorts of things that we're praying for, things that we need. And we believe that God can do something, but yet he hasn't. That's hard, isn't it? I find that tough. We serve the God who created the universe. We trust in him. We know that he can do absolutely anything. And sometimes he doesn't. It's tough. And, you know, I just want to encourage you this morning, if you're in a season like that, I just want to encourage you that we all go through those seasons We all go through those seasons where we're believing in God, we're trusting in God, we're having faith in God, and for whatever reason, God seems late in answering our prayers. And it's hard. It's hard when you see him do things in other people's lives and you hear these awesome testimonies where people get up, you know. A friend of mine lost her two-year-old son and it was a really, really tough time for her and it was very hard for her to sit in church listening to testimonies about God healing other children in the church. That was really, really tough for her. So when we're hanging and waiting for God to move, what do we do? What do I do when God seems late? Psalm 62 verse 5 to 8 is a scripture that I've personally clung to in these seasons in my life where I feel like God's been late in answering my prayers. Love you to turn there this morning. Psalm 62 verse 5. Strategically put down the microphone while I open the water today, I'm learning. And in this psalm, the psalmist is actually talking to himself. Do you ever talk to yourself? I talk to myself all the time. Now, I try to remember not to talk to myself in front of other people, but sometimes I forget. And James will say, Mummy, are you talking to me or are you talking to you or are you talking to God? Because all three come out sometimes. <laughs> So when you it's actually good to talk to yourself when you're building yourself up and sometimes challenging yourself. In fact, part of renewing our mind with the word is speaking the word out loud over our lives. So I love what the psalmist shares here in Psalm 62, verse 5. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And in facing this challenge in our lives, where we feel like God is late, where we're praying for Him, where we're waiting for our breakthrough, where we've done everything that we know that is humanly possible for us to do, and the rest is left for God. The first thing that we can trust is that time waiting is not time wasted. I remember that there was a time in my life where there was just, as a young person, I was a you know older teenager, young adult, and and there was there's some times of things that I was working through and it, it was a tough time emotionally and mentally for me. Things and trauma from my past had come back up and it just felt like one of those really tough seasons where you just feel like it's battle after battle after battle. And I remember because uh, I love worship and one of the reasons I love worship is worship is the best thing you can do when you're waiting for God because you're waiting on him. And you come into his presence and he shows you things from his perspective because God has an eternal perspective. And in this series that we're doing where God doesn't make sense, one of the greatest things we can draw from each one of these weeks is that God doesn't make sense to us because God has a different perspective to us. The Bible says that God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So when God sees things that we're going through, he's seeing them from a different perspective. He's seeing them from a higher angle and a, and a holistic, eternal purpose. So when we're going through these times, I came into worship, and I was just worshipping God, just finding, doing it tough emotionally, working through some trauma and stuff. And I was standing in this wilderness and you know, in a vision, and I was just worshipping God. In this wilderness, I just looked back behind me and all I could see was desert. And I just felt like, and I said, Lord, this has been a wasted land. And he said, nothing is ever wasted in me. And immediately in this vision, all of these flowers started springing up through the ground. And then it was all these bulbs that were dormant that were just waiting to come forth in season. So it's like that in our lives. Sometimes we can feel like waiting is wasted, but it's in those times of waiting that we find that God can sometimes do the greatest things in our life. And the greatest thing that we can have in our life is being close to the Lord. The Lord says that he is close to the brokenhearted and those who are crushed in spirit. So in those times when we're waiting, we can draw on him. We can worship him. We know we need him so much. I remember when... um. I had three months to go of, of uh, my second pregnancy with our beautiful little girl Rochelle and um, they, they picked up in the ultrasound that there was a problem they couldn't see the base of her spine and her feet weren't moving and um, they they basically said we don't know what it is we know it's not spina bifida but it's it's something and and we won't really know how we can treat it until she's born and you know I've shared a little bit um, about the, that journey over the years and um, but that, those three months were the longest three months of my entire life. Every single day felt like eternity. So we were praying for God to heal her. We were waiting on him, we were trusting in him. and there was many times spent on my knees in tears just praying for our little girl and for her future. And one scripture that God gave to me, which I've never, ever been the same again, was in two Peter. Chapter 3, verse 8 to 9. It's talking about the return of the Lord, but in the day that I opened up that scripture, just Bible, just wanting some hope, just wanting something that I could draw from, some strength to keep me going through that day, this verse just stood out to me in ways that I'd never seen it before. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So the second thing that we can draw from the Lord this morning is to know that God's delays are not always God's denials. Who knows that often you pray and it doesn't happen in the time you want. In fact, I don't know if I've ever had a prayer happen in the time that I want. And so sometimes there's what's called a divine delay where there's this waiting, where we're praying for the breakthrough, where we're believing for the breakthrough. And it's in that divine delay that God is actually doing something deeper within us. God's delays are not always God's denials. We're going to read a story this morning of some of Jesus' most devoted followers and when they encountered this exact same thing in their lives where they were following Jesus and they encountered this experience where Jesus was late and Jesus didn't answer their prayers. We're going to turn to John verse, chapter 11. We're going to be reading from verse 1. If you've got your Bibles this morning, I'd love you to turn there this morning. Very, very well-known miracle in the Bible Um, but let's just try and imagine it this morning from the perspective of the people that were there they didn't know the end of the story like we do so let's just really look at it with that perspective this morning it's the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus now a man named Lazarus was sick he was from Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha this Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick was the same one who poured perfume on the lord and wiped his feet with her hair so we've got a brother and two sisters here these guys are close to jesus he's been around their house for dinner they've cooked for him they've hung out with him they've fellowship with him they've done life together they were very very close to the lord jesus christ so the sisters sent word to jesus lord The one you love is sick. Now, this is in the days before SMSs, okay? There's no email. There's no texting. There's no Australia Post. There's no way of getting something quickly. The only way of getting a message was by a person actually taking that message and delivering it, often verbally. So Mary and Martha have got their brother Lazarus who is really sick. I mean, he's so sick he's on his deathbed. They're like, we know what we need to do. We need Jesus. Jesus is out there healing strangers. Jesus is out there healing the Roman centurions who we don't particularly like, but Jesus is doing miracles for them. Surely he's going to do a miracle for us. Surely he will come quickly and heal our brother. We trust him. We know him. We're close to him. Verse 4. When Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness will not end in death. No, It is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he went straight there. Is that what it says? No. He stayed where he was for two more days. All right, so we're just gonna take a step back there. He is close to these three people. He loves Lazarus and his sisters and he just hears that Lazarus, the one he loves. Like they didn't even say Lazarus is sick. He's, they said the one you love is sick. In other words, it's like, Lord, your best friend's sick. He knew who he was talking about. But rather than rushing there, see Jesus, he says there, this is, he's not going to die. This has happened so that the Son of God will be glorified. So what we're seeing here is God's eternal perspective. He has a different perspective on the situation to what the sisters do and what the disciples do. Now these sisters, just imagine what it's like for them. They sent a word to Jesus. They would have expected him to come straight away. Then Jesus doesn't come. They're waiting and waiting. Jesus is late. They had faith in him. They expected that he was going to heal him. He was in their home. And you know what? Sometimes we can start reminding God of why he should do something for us because of all the things that we've done for him. It's like we feel like we have a sense of entitlement. Well, God, I've done this for you, so you need to do this for me. I remember that I felt like that. I remember when Rochelle was born and the first night being alone in the room with her after everyone had gone home and the nurses and the doctors had cleared out of the room and she was laying before me and and this little baby girl was, was, was broken and I couldn't fix her. And my heart was just, wrenching out and one of the things that I I said to the Lord is Lord I have served you with all my heart for all my life and still you have let this happen it was a very very difficult time for Ian and I and for our family and you know what I I feel like Jesus didn't turn up I trusted him I was close to him I walked intimately with, with him since I was five years old I would have got born again earlier if my mum said that I was old enough. Where are you, Lord? Where are you, Lord? Can't you see? Can't you see? And Mary and Martha would have been, Can't you? Don't you know, Jesus? Lazarus has died. You didn't come, Lord, and he died. You didn't come, Lord. You didn't heal my girl. Where are you, Lord? One of the greatest things that the Lord has taught me on this journey is that sometimes God wants to do something in me before he does something for me. And that God's purposes are so much greater than anything that we can imagine or think or understand. And it's like that with Mary and Martha. They, they, they've got a need. Their brother's sick. They need him to be healed but Jesus knew and he saw that there was a greater purpose and a greater plan that was about to unfold. Just because God does, hasn't done it yet doesn't mean that God's not going to do it. And just because he hasn't answered your prayer the way you want him to doesn't mean that he's not going to answer your prayer. There's purpose in his timing, and sometimes there's a divine delay. And I know for me on my journey, you know, I, I had faith in God. I trust, I waited, you know, that she was born and like, well, we're gonna we're gonna still see miracles here. And you know, the faith and and believing God. And and um, I was telling the kids this morning on the way to church in the car, because there's some of this story they've never heard before. And I used to lie, we had a slate floor in our kitchen. And some days I was wrestling with my faith so much and just feeling so broken because we were dealing with health challenges every day with her there was lots of things going on because she was born with a condition called sacral agenesis where the the sacrum um, was missing and that affected the nerves to her bladder her bowel her ankles and her feet so there was a lot going on for us and every day was a battle of faith um, in not falling into worry and things like that and uncertainty and I used to lie I sometimes I put the kids in front of the telly and I would lie on this slate floor Just crying out to God, crying out to God, heal our girl, heal our girl, Lord. Why haven't you heard my prayer? Why haven't you heard, Lord? Can't you see? Can't you see? And sometimes it felt like there was no answer, but I kept trusting him anyway. I poured out my heart. I was very honest with the Lord with how I was feeling So there's purpose in his divine delay. And as I look back on that time now, I couldn't see it at the time and I definitely did not feel it at the time. God was developing things within me that I don't believe would have been achieved in any other way in my life. He was developing things like patience. He was developing things like courage. He was developing strength within me because God had a greater picture of what was going to unfold than what I could see. All I could see was our need and our immediate need. Just like Mary and Martha, they could see their immediate need, but God had a greater plan. God wants to do something in me before he does something for me. Verse 7, reading it, Continue on John 11. Then Jesus said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. So Jesus actually waited for Lazarus to die. And I love the conversation that takes place with his disciples. They are just awesome. And again, we can laugh at them and pay them out. But you know what? I think we're just like them sometimes. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews were there trying to stone you and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble. They have no light." Jesus is always talking in greater meanings and walking in faith. After he'd said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. I love how Jesus uses metaphors sometimes in how he's explaining things and paints pictures. The disciples were rather confused by this idea. Why do we need to go wake Lazarus up? You're going to get killed if you go there, Lord. Don't you know that they're after you there and you're going to wake up Lazarus? Don't you think that his sisters would be able to do that for him? (laughs) Anyway, his disciples go in verse 12, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus has been speaking of his death, but the disciples didn't get it. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And then Thomas, who's the biggest pessimist in the Bible, he's gorgeous. I love him. He says, he turns around to the other disciples and says, let us all go that we may die with him. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I love it. Anyway, I get entertained by things like that. They're so down to earth, aren't they? They're just these ordinary people walking with Jesus and he just believed in them so much. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now there's a significance in the four days because back in the day, um, people believed that their spirit hovered over them for three days. And then once it was the fourth day, that was just it, it was just over. And there was a really putrid smell from the decomposing body in fact someone told me that in the King James version of the Bible it said that he stinketh makes it all sound very spiritual does it he stinketh verse 18 now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother when Martha heard that Jesus was coming she went out to meet him but Mary stayed at home And there's a very significant dialogue that takes place now between Martha and the Lord Jesus. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Have you ever said that to the Lord? Where you were believing and praying and trusting in him for a miracle and Jesus just seemed like he turned up late. If you had been here, Lord, if you had been here, Lord, If you'd answered my prayer, this wouldn't have happened. We can believe that Jesus is late. He hasn't met our expectations. Like when we were believing for our daughter to be healed in the womb and she was born with an abnormality. Lord, if you'd done this, this wouldn't have happened if you'd been here. But I love what Martha says next, and I really think we can learn and draw so much from her and her faith. Verse 22, Martha says... But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you asked. She could have been so mad with him for delaying and not coming straight away. She could have been so angry with him, but she chose not to be disillusioned. She chose to believe. She chose to trust. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And she doesn't quite understand it there because the idea of raising someone from the dead just wasn't even in her radar at all. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day, but Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by me believing in me will never die. You see, Jesus was using this miracle that he's about to do to illustrate who he is, that he's the son of God, and that when you believe in him, you will never die, and he will actually bring about a resurrection, body, soul, and spirit. And he said to Martha, do you believe this? And maybe God's saying that to you today. Do you believe? Do you believe that I'm the Son of God? Do you believe that I'm the resurrection and the life? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. You see, if we truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God and have faith in Him, we can endure any circumstance. We can endure any unfulfilled expectation, any unanswered prayer because we know who He is. And even when we don't understand, we still have faith in Him. In verse 28, she says... After she'd said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking to speak with you. Verse 29. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in her house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. And they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord... If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Jesus was feeling their pain. He was feeling their grief. And sometimes when we're going through hard times, sometimes when we're grieving, sometimes when we're struggling, we can feel like God is a million miles away, but he is there and he is weeping with us. He is grieving with us and he is feeling our pain and it hurts him more than it hurts us. But he has a greater plan. He has something worthwhile that we're going to receive at the end. Of the suffering because he is God. But just because he hasn't answered your prayer doesn't mean he doesn't love you, and it doesn't mean that he's left you, and it doesn't mean that he's not there. I remember one night just cradling Rochelle and just crying and, crying and crying and crying and crying and crying. And I had this vision of Holy Father in the room with us, embracing us. And he was weeping too. You see, we have a God who loves us. He's not this distant God who doesn't care. But what happens is when he doesn't answer our prayer, one of the easy things to do is get angry with God and push him away. But what we need to do is allow him to embrace us and to comfort us and to bring us strength. Then the Jews said, verse 36, see how he loved him. Verse 37, and I'm sure you've got people in your life that are there saying things like this alongside you. Some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? There'll always be criticism. There'll always be doubt. There'll always be unbelief that come around you. But we don't have to let those things erode our faith. Verse 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour for he has been there for four days. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Take off his grave clothes and let him go. You see, when we feel that Jesus is late, we need to have faith that what we want is good, but what God has planned is greater. You see, Mary and Martha were praying for a healing. They were praying for a healing. They were believing for a miracle in his health. But you see, God had planned a resurrection, something so much greater. Sometimes God wants to do things in us before God does something through us or for us. Sometimes we experience a divine delay. But just because he hasn't done it yet doesn't mean he's not going to do it. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. God did not give them what they expected. He exceeded their expectations. With God, time waiting is not time wasted. I love Isaiah 30 verse 18 that describes the compassion and God's heart towards us. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice, blessed are all who wait for him. So as we wait, we can trust that we believe in a loving God, a merciful God, an all-powerful God that wants to do so much greater in our lives than what we have planned. And I can honestly say looking back now that I wouldn't do life any other way. It was hard and it was tough, but we've seen the faithfulness of God. And I can tell you today the work that God did in us gives us the capacity to be able to minister to people that we would never have been able to reach before. And we may never know all the lives that have been impacted because of the things that we have endured. Maybe you've lost someone. Maybe you've lost a parent. Maybe you've lost a child. Maybe you've lost a husband or a wife. And maybe you believed in God that he was going to heal them. And he didn't do that. But I just want to encourage you today that as you remain in faith with the Lord Jesus Christ, he's going to use that for something so much greater than even what you were praying for. Because our prayer is often salvation for our own lives, but God's prayer is salvation for all. He doesn't want one to perish. He wants all to come into relationship with him. Just wanted to share, just before I close this morning, just a short video Um, that we've put together about when Rochelle started to walk and on that very, very same slate floor that I've been crying out to God with for her healing, she started to stand up. And I'd love to share that with you this morning. that the scene of our greatest disappointment has become the setting for God's greatest miracle. And just like we saw with Martha and and Mary, you know, in their place of grief and mourning and, and disappointment, Jesus came and did something so much greater. And for every person here today who's waiting on God, you're waiting for him to answer your prayer or you've been through something in your life where you felt that he didn't answer your prayer, I want to encourage you this morning that the scene of your greatest disappointment can be the setting for God's greatest miracle. Let's bow our heads and pray. You know, this morning, and maybe you feel like in life you've been weak. Maybe you've fallen down over and over again, just like Rochelle when she was trying to walk. But I just want to tell you this morning that you've got a heavenly Father who loves you who is there, just like we were for Rochelle, cheering her on. Every time she fell down, we were cheering her on. Come on, go again, go again. You can do it. That's how much God loves you, and that's what he's like. The truth is we've all fallen over, and we've all made mistakes. We've all been weak, and we've all sinned. But we have a father who loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, Jesus, who is without sin, who said, I am the resurrection and the life, who was able to raise up, not only raise up his friend Lazarus from the dead, But He was raised to life. He died and suffered for us and was raised to life so that we could live for all eternity in Him. And that our lives here on earth are just the entry point to eternity. That the things that we endure here, the suffering we go through is working within us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory for the things that we see are temporary, for the things that are unseen are eternal. And God's going to do something so much greater through our lives with an eternal purpose than anything that we could have ever thought or imagined. And on the third day, the stone was rolled away and Jesus' tomb was empty. He wasn't there because he's the resurrection and the life. And whoever calls on him will be saved. And this morning, we want to give you the opportunity. If you've never made a decision to make the Lord Jesus Christ Your Savior. We'd love to invite you in this place today to raise your hand. Maybe you've been far from Him. Maybe you once walked with Him, but through the trials and things that have come along your way, you've walked away from Him. I just want to encourage you this morning to come back to that place of faith in Him and see the miracles and the outpouring and the wonderful things that He's going to do in your life. If that's you this morning, love you to raise your hand in this place, right across this place today. We've got time for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Every person is so important to you, Lord. Amen. We're going to pray this prayer this morning together in response to him. Heavenly Father, I admit I don't understand it all. But today I take a leap of faith to trust in you. I know I've sinned. I know that I need you. Forgive me, make me new. You died for me and rose again so I could live. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you always. My life is not my own. I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.